Art thou Zeba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Zeba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Zeba said unto the king, Behold, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. And then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. And when Mephibosheth, when Mephibosheth the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, and Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold thy servant. David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake. And will restore thee all the land of Saul, thy father. And thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is this? What is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. Father, there are many Mephibosheths out in the world. In fact, all of us here were Mephibosheths and are Mephibosheths. And yet, you wanted to seek us out. And the Savior came to seek and to save that which is lost. And Father, I'm thankful that you've given us salvation. But there are so many more out there that still need to hear the wonderful message of salvation. Lord, I pray you would speak to our hearts. I pray the Holy Spirit would convict us where we need conviction, give us determination and give us compassion. And we pray you would speak to our hearts through the Spirit of God in your word, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. David was a warrior. David was a man that uh, was used of God to really establish the kingdom of Israel. Saul began the work, but David brought it to a point of great power, great fear among the enemies of that region. And as David came to a point in his life here, this is a time where there was a little bit of rest and peace, and so David was pondering and thinking one day, and of course, as you know, his, his dearest friend was Jonathan. Jonathan was the son of Saul. And they had made a promise to one another, a covenant really, years before when David was fleeing from Saul, they made a covenant that whenever there was an opportunity for them to show kindness or to show grace to their family, um, they would take that opportunity. And I think David um, was pondering one day as he was sitting there and thinking maybe about his dear friend Jonathan, and um, 
he got to thinking and he says, I wonder if there's anybody left in Saul's house. And so he asked around and of course, you know, the, the gossip and the scuttlebutt through the kingdom and through the throne area or the uh, palace, um, probably word got out. And finally somebody said, hey, there's, there's a man named Ziba who was a servant of Saul. Maybe he would know. And so David called Saul's servant in. And, and as we look at this, we see here the compassion of David. And when we see the compassion of David, I see the compassion of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. David is really a picture or a type of Christ in the Old Testament. And as we look at this, notice that he calls in Ziba and he basically says, Ziba, um, you know, I, I have a promised vow that I made with Jonathan, Saul's son. And I, I'm just wondering, is there anybody, is there anybody in, in his family that's left? They said, you might know. He says, well, uh, sire, yeah, um, <laughs> there is. Um, well, well, who is he? Well, um, it's, it, it, it's, it's Mephibosheth. Who, what? Who? Uh, Mephibosheth. Well, why are you so hesitant in telling me? Well, sir, I'm, <laughs> sire, he, he, he's, uh, he lives in the house of nature, and he's a cripple. And um, he went to tell the story how when uh, Saul and his family were escaping at one point, um, they, uh, the nurse had Mephibosheth, and, and somehow he fell or she dropped him, and he was crippled on his legs. And uh, so <laughs> David says, well, tell me more. Well, he's in the house of nature. He's down in Amiel in Lodabar. And, and, and David there, I could see him maybe kind of stroking his beard a little bit and thinking about it. And he says, hmm. He says, well, I want to I bring him to the palace. And, 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 and Ziba says, well, well, sire, begging your pardon, I, I, I don't think you want to bring him here. I mean, do you realize that his name, Mephibosheth, do you realize that his name means a dispeller of shame or breathing shame? He says, I know, I know. But, but, but sire, surely there's, there's somebody here in the palace that you could, you could do kindness to. Some of the ladies in waiting or maybe some of the young men that, that are some of your warriors. Why, why don't you honor some of them? He says, no. He says, I want to honor somebody from the house of Saul and from Jonathan. He says, but he's in the house of nature. And David says, I know. David says, you know what that means? He says, yes, sir. It means ruin and decay. I mean, he's living in a house that means ruin and decay. And he's, he's, his name means breathing shame. And, and then he says, not only that, 
but it's the house of nature of Amiel. And sire, you know what Amiel means. <laughs> it means to languish, to be weary, to be weak, to have given up. I mean, this is all negative. David says, yeah, I know. And then David, he lives in the town of Lodabar. I mean, just the name, Lodabar. You know what that means. David says, yes, I know what it means. It means pastureless. It means barren land. It means subdued speech or closed mouth. He says, but I want to I show my grace to him. But sire, he doesn't deserve it. I mean, he's a cripple. He's, he's living in this filthy place, a place of decay, a place of weariness, a place of, of barrenness. He says, I want you to go and fetch Mephibosheth. But, but Lord, he's just a, he's a sinner. Yeah, kind of reminds us of us, doesn't it? Romans 3, verse 10, as it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is as an open sepulcher. With their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before them and before their eyes. But David in his compassion and the Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father in compassion said, we need to fetch Mephibosheth. We need to fetch that sinner. He needs our help. And so we see the compassion. We see the compassion of David, but we see even more so, I hope you can see the compassion that God has for us, that had for all sinners. All of us that have nothing to offer God and deserve nothing but a lake of fire. But then I want you to notice the commission of the servant. Verse 5, it says, Then King David sent and fetched him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. And I, I, it doesn't directly say, but I do believe that probably Ziba was sent to get him. Now, can you imagine Ziba getting a commission from the king? Getting a commission from his lord. And that commission was a directed station. And the reason I say that is because if you study the name of Ziba, you'll find out that it comes from a root word that means a station. 
like a station in life. We all have a station in life. You all here, myself, everybody in here, we have a station in life. Our station is our calling. And we're to walk worthy of that calling, according to Ephesians chapter 4. And that calling is that we are Christians. We are God's people. Now, we didn't, we didn't get that by birth. We got it by the second birth. We got it through salvation. And isn't it wonderful that because of the fact that we have been saved, God now has commissioned us to what? Go into the world and fetch the other Mephibosheths that need to hear the gospel and need God's grace. I could see Zeba going down to the stables, walking in, saying to the stable master, sir, I've got orders from the king to go fetch Mephibosheth. And so I need the fastest chariot you've got, and I need some good horses. He says, well, we got a good chariot over here. It's got a four-barrel four carburetor, and I mean, it's ready to go. He says, set it up. And down from Mount Zion went Mephibosheth. Down through Jericho. Down through the valley of Jordan. And down towards Lodabar. When he got to Lodabar, you can imagine a barren place. Not much going on there. Maybe a, lot, a few houses, a small village perhaps. And as he goes into Lodabar, he starts asking, do you know where Mephibosheth is? And of course the people, they saw the insignia. They saw the standard. The standard. They saw that, hey, this is a messenger from the king. Why would they want Mephibosheth? And some of them probably said, oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. You know what kings do when there's family from a previous king left over. They kill him. So it might have been maybe even a little difficult to find him, but he, he, he kind of knew where he was, so he, he finally got there. He pulls up, and perhaps it was just a little, a little one-room shed that he was living in. And uh, he knocked on the door. Open up in the name of King David. Didn't hear anything. And... Uh, he knocked again. Open up in the name of King David. I'm here in the king's business. From inside, he heard maybe a, a weak, trembling voice say, it, 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 It's open. You, you, you can come in. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so Zeba goes in. And. Um, Ziba says to Mephibosheth, he says, I'm looking for Mephibosheth. And as he looks, as the light brightens up the room, he sees a man perhaps huddled, filthy clothes, huddled and sitting on a mat made of straw, some uneaten portions of meat that maybe rats were at. And he, 
he kind of covered his eyes and he says, I'm Mephibosheth. I'm Ziba, and I've been sent here by the king. I have a commission, and he's given me a service to do, and he told me to come fetch you, Mephibosheth. Oh, oh, uh, what would the king want with me? Oh, listen, Mephibosheth, the king spoke very passionately about you. And he, he wants to bring you back to the kingdom. And he says, oh, oh, I, I, can't, I can't go to the palace. Look, look at me. I don't, I, don't, I don't have any good clothes. I, I'm, I'm a cripple. I, I, I have nothing to, to offer the king. Ziba says, he told me to fetch you. I've got it in writing right here in his words. And by the way, we have the words. And it says in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15 that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. In other words, God says, I've given you a commission. I've given you the spirit of God. And I've given you the word of God. Now go into that crooked and perverse nation and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what Ziba did. He came to give Mephibosheth, good news. And you know, God is calling us to go out into the world and give good news. You say, well, Brother Houck, I'm not here to be a preacher. I'm not here to, you know, I've been called to go to the mission field. You've been saved. You've been called to be a Christian. That commission, that great commission isn't just to pastors and missionaries that's to all of us all of us and man do we have opportunity in the next couple of weeks to go out and to share that good news look there are Mephibosheths all over this valley some are hooked on drugs some are caught up in immorality some have maybe lost hope living in fear not knowing what's going to happen Many who don't know, seeing all the things going on in the world and the world not offering much hope. But man, do we have hope to offer them. And so I could see Ziba probably had a couple of other folks with him and he says, all right, let's, let's get Mephibosheth and let's, let's put him in here. You know, I, I, I got to thinking about going out. And you know, God may tug, be tugging on some of your hearts to not just serve in a local church someday, but maybe go to a mission field or to go serve in the ministry somewhere. I can't help but think about the United States Coast Guard. Sometimes the military, other military forces, they kind of, branches of the military kind of make fun of them, but um, they're a pretty amazing group. There was a very vicious and stormy night on Lake Erie. 
which is sometimes called the graveyard of ships because it's shallow and it's very treacherous when the storms rise up. All ships were called to port. One ship sent out a distress signal. The Coast Guard station was called to go out and rescue the crew on board. As the captain gave orders to head out, a young new recruit, looking quite scared and apprehensive, said to the captain, Sir, if we go out, we may not return. And the captain replied very confidently, Son, our orders are to go out. It did not say we would return. God's called us to go out. Some may go to a mission field. Some may die martyrs' deaths. Some may suffer. But God said go and fetch Mephibosheths. Now we see this, this diligent steward here. And, um, you know, the motto of the Coast Guard is always ready. Always ready. And we should always be ready to give a word, to share the gospel, to invite somebody. And <laughs> Jesus gave us the orders to go. He did not say whether we would return, whether we would have a, a comfortable life, or we would suffer hardship. I'm thankful that there were Christians decades and centuries ago that didn't, weren't concerned about their comfort to reach people. In my place of birth and raising and growing up and other places, I'm thankful they were willing to pay the price. Are we willing to pay that price so that others may hear? You understand, we're, we're getting close to 8 billion people on this earth. Some of them have never heard the gospel once. I, I would venture to say there's probably a good majority of people in this valley that's never heard the gospel once. And so, it's so important. And we see that with this comes sometimes long-suffering. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Look, you're going you're gonna to get out there, you're going to knock doors, you're going you're gonna to get some doors slammed in your face, you're going to get some people that aren't interested, and, and if you're not careful, you're going to grow weary, and you're going to say, what? it's not worth it. Look, all God said to do was go. Let him take care of the results. And, um, and so we, we have here uh, examples. I think of Adoniram Judson, first American missionary, to the land of Burma. Now, he, he actually, when he left American shores, a couple things happened. First of all, he was planning to go to India and to work under William Carey. And he knew William Carey was a, was a <laughs> he was a Baptist. And, and he was not a Baptist at that time. 
And so on his way over, which back in those days, you didn't get there in five or 12 or 13 hours by airplane, you went by ship. Sometimes it took months to get where he was going. And so he thought, you know, I'm gonna study the Bible so I can give an answer when Carrie asked me about baptism. Well, he started studying the Bible, guess what? He became a Baptist. And <laughs> so there was another man with him, I think his name was Rice, and they decided, you know, we can't get support from these churches. We're going to have to go back and get support from American Baptist churches. And so one, Rice, went back and began to get, to get support. And Judson went on to India. Problem was, there was war going on and there was all kinds of unrest and so forth. And at that point, he couldn't get into India. And so... God led him to Burma. And I want you to listen to what he says here. Adoniram Judson, not knowing a single soul in Burma, not knowing the language, he sweated out Burma's heat and tropical climate for 18 years without a furlough. Six years before he had one convert, endured torture and imprisonment, he admitted in his diary that he never saw a ship sail without wanting to jump on board and go home. When his wife's health broke and he put her on a homeward-bound vessel, in the knowledge he would not see her for two full years, he wrote this in his diary. He said, If we could find some quiet resting place on earth where we could spend the rest of our days in peace. But he then steadied himself. And with this remark, remarkable postscript, or PS, he said, life is short. Millions of Burmese are perishing. I am almost the only person on earth who has attained their language to communicate salvation. He was willing to be spent for God because God gave him a commission. And by the way, hundreds of thousands of Burmese came to Christ. He translated the Bible into the Burmese language and was given freedom to go throughout the nation and preach the gospel. So we see the compassion of the Savior, and we see the commission of the servant. Last thing I want us to see is the consolation of the sinner. Oh, I can imagine as they loaded Mephibosheth into, into that chariot, and they began to go up to Mount Zion, I can imagine there was some fear and trepidation. In fact, when we look at verse 6, it says, now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, behold thy servant. I could see him huddled there. And, and can you imagine uh, when, Mephib when uh, Ziba came up with those chariots and, and with his, his entourage and uh, he comes up to the gate and, uh, and the guard stops him and says, 
where are you coming from and what do you want? He says, I'm Ziba and I got a command to fetch Mephibosheth and to bring him to the king. Really? Well, let me see Mephibosheth. He goes to the back of that chariot and he looks and he says, uh-uh. No, you're, you're not bringing this huddled mass of filth into the palace. Nothing impure gets into the palace. King wouldn't want that. Ziba pulls out this scroll and he pops it down in his face. He says, read this, bub. <laughs> and he reads it. And it says, fetch Mephibosheth. And the king put his signature in his seal. He says, wow, I've never seen the king's signature before. And I've never seen that seal like that before. He says, you pass on. They brought Mephibosheth into that throne room. When they brought him in, I could see David. I could see him pull off his robes. I could see him descend from the steps of the throne, come down and get right in front of Mephibosheth. Say, Mephibosheth, welcome home. And Mephibosheth said, but you're not, you, you're not going to kill me, King David? You, I, I, I'm just a dog. I mean, wh what would you want with me? He says, oh, Mephibosheth, I made a promise long ago to your father that if there was ever an opportunity, I would, I would show kindness to any of his family. And you're the only one I could find. So I'm bringing you in. I'm bringing you into the palace. He says, oh, I don't understand this. King David, I, I don't deserve any of this. And <laughs> David looked at him and said, you may not deserve it, but it's grace. It's grace. Undeserved favor. And, and he, he says, uh, now Mephibosheth, um, verse 7, he says, David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, all the land and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And I could imagine, king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits that this, thy master's son may have food to eat, but Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. And Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants.
I can imagine the next morning when Mephibosheth woke up in the palace. Maybe smelling the sweet smell of flowers and cinnamon and spices. Hearing the birds sing. Having been given new garments, white, pure, with the symbol of the king on it. And about that time, servant walks in, says, good morning, Mephibosheth. What would you like for breakfast this morning? Oh, I, whatever you have. Well, we've got eggs and we've got bacon. Of course, it's kosher bacon. But we've got, we've got it all. Whatever you want. And I imagine Mephibosheth said, this is grace, all grace. Folks, that's what God's grace has done for us. <laughs> We're going to have garments one day, white as snow, the righteousness of the saints. We're going to sit at the marriage supper of the Lamb we're going we're gonna to have fellowship, and we will be with our Lord and our Savior for eternity in the palace. Because we're now children of the King. My grandfather, many times I would stay in his home, and his bedroom was kind of when you get to the top of the stairs, his bedroom was the first bedroom, and then you had to go through his bedroom to get to two other bedrooms. I don't know how, why they made it that way back in those days, but they did. And sometimes I would sleep in a feather bed in the next room next to my grandfather, and at night I would hear him sing. And he'd sing, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. But there was one song he sang that I think fits what Christ has done and given to us by grace. My father is rich in houses and lands. He holdeth the wealth of the world in his hand. Of ruby and diamonds, of silver and gold, his coffers are full, his riches untold. I'm a child of the king, a child of the king. With Jesus, my Savior, I'm a child of the King. My Father's own Son, the Savior of men, once wandered on earth as the poorest of them, but now he is reigning forever on high and will give me a home in heaven by and by. I once was an outcast stranger on earth, a sinner by choice, an alien by birth. But I've been adopted, my name's written down, an heir to a mansion, a robe and a crown. A tent or a cottage, why should I care? They're building a palace for me over there. Though exiled from home, yet still I may sing all glory to God. I'm a child of the king. We're children 
of the King. We're children of the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father. He's given us the Holy Spirit to minister. He's given us the power of his word. Here's the question. Will you go today and fetch Mephibosheth? Will you look and ask God for opportunities? Perhaps you've been wrestling with the call for serving him as a pastor, as a missionary, as as a servant in full-time service, as we sometimes call it. He's given us a commission. He's looking for somebody to fill that commission and go. We see God's compassion and love for the sinner, and we see that he's commissioned us, and we see the consolation of all that we received as Paul said, it's not fear and guilt, but it's the love of Christ that constraineth me. When we see what all grace and love has done, we can do nothing but give ourselves for him and serve him.